Accutron Watches present. From New York City, this is the Accutron Show, a time travel through American culture with your hosts, Bill McCuddy, Scott Alexander, and David Graver. Visit AccutronWatch.com and discover the brand that has made American history with an all-new proprietary next-generation electrostatic energy movement. Accutron. It's not a timepiece. It's a conversation piece. It wasn't just, okay, I love fashion, but also because of representation. Like, I realized that there were not really many Asian guys in media in general. The person you heard at the top of the show was today's guest, Leo Chan. He's a fashion and travel influencer. This guy gets to go everywhere, just like this guy, and it annoys me. Uh, He's got a uh, blog called Levitate Style, but first up, it's me, Bill McCuddy, along with these two. Scott Alexander, who's a culture editor, and this guy, uh, David Graver, who's from Cool Hunting, and gets to go on just about as many free junkets as uh, the man we're going to meet in just a moment. Uh, All of that and more on this episode of The Accutron Show. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, accutronwatch.com, and discover our iconic Space View 2020 collection, recreating the stunning visual impact of the original open dial design combined with an all-new electrostatic energy movement. Time just changed again. The Accutron Space View 2020. David, Scott, isn't everybody an influencer these days? They just... Some I'm influencing you it. right now, yes, Bill. <laughs> look into my eyes. I, that's why I'm going to look at uh, David. I, uh, <laughs> I understand what you're trying to say. And indeed, you could influence my spending habits. But there is a type of internet personality that has influence over many, that has now, followers. Now what is followers. internet? <laughs> <laughs> and does, do too many people have this kind of influence? Are there too many out there? Uh, that's one of the things we're going to ask Leo Chan. Uh, well, this the thing guy, about the internet, it, it's self-healing. Are there too many? Of course there's too many. And that's why there's this Darwinian sort of constant you know, turnover of these things. And the fact that there are too many is its strength. That's why it keeps... You mean the platforms themselves? Yeah, there's, there's all always the new time. platforms. There's always new influencers. There's always new people. It's this novelty engine that really just is, is sort of remarkable. And but, a consistent as, but, struggle to stay relevant across all of those new platforms. And too yeah. many is the kind of salient feature of it, actually. I like Betty White. She says, I'm on the Twitter. She's, that's right. She's almost 100, and she's on the Twitter. And she's you tweet. Up. I do tweet. I tweet. Okay. Uh, I don't so, tweet. <laughs> yeah? No. Now, what do you What do? You do? What do you do, I'm Scott? off in all social media. Not enough. I went on a social media fast two years ago, and I never went back. Were you ever on Facebook? Yes. And how'd that I was go? on Facebook. I was on Twitter. I was on Instagram. I have I have my name on all these uh, services, but I don't. It. I got my life back. I got my brain back. I started reading books again. It was weird. Leo will be very very frightened by you. Uh, <laughs> I still look at it. I still will look at some of the content, but I don't post. I, I found that I was creating. I was not. I did not see myself having a career where I was able to jump up above the line and get paid to do this. And if I wasn't going to get paid for that, I got other people who will pay me to make content. Where do you get your news? What do you look at when New you York look Times? at your phone? New York Times. New York Mag. You get a real New York the Times? The New Yorker. The real Do one. you sense a theme here? I sense you get a theme. A, <laughs> do, you, do you get a real New York Times delivered to the front porch? No, but I do get the Sunday Times. Actually, I did that for a long time. 
Sunday Times Touch. I like to, I like to uh, actually physically write the Sunday Times crossword. I have a theory that the Times will go all digital except for the Sunday edition, which will be will come in a box with like gloves or something. This it's is a great going to idea. be well. I did. Uh, I like to go to the park with the Sunday Times and spend several hours just letting my brain ooze out its ears. Uh, well, you're probably not a good candidate for an influencer on the internet. Exactly. Uh, so, David, who spends all your time <laughs> uh, being influenced or, or listening or to pitches, or, yeah, right. or influencing at Cool Hunting, uh, what makes Leo good? What, what, what is he doing correctly? Remarkably, I met Leo on a press trip. We were the guest of Stella Artois to Sundance. Wish to I Sundance could act surprised. Festival. And we were at a dinner, and he and his girlfriend invited me back to the room because Stella had given us crates of beer. And we got there, and then we, they started taking photos, and I saw true connection to product and the creation of something really organic, natural, and beautiful. A lot of social media looks so fake, and they were just so into what they were doing. I don't in know a about really organic and beautiful. I it get, was. So you can only how well, much of their comparatively, life, comparatively, how yeah. much of their life are they willing to expose on this? I do. I imagine that they keep personal things personal. I, I follow both of them on social media, and I I see what they want me to see, and that's actually how all social media. Unless is. you're in their hotel room with a case of beer, <laughs> with a case, case of beer. Of beer. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to hear the ending of that story. <laughs> There's one of the things I'll ask too is about whether he has a time frame that he is it a nine to five kind of job for him that he can turn off at the end of a day. I would think not. I would think that it would become extremely seductive. Like uh, we've talked about the movie The Social Dilemma before. This is a, a filmmaker yeah. who it's on HBO. If you haven't seen it, you should. A filmmaker who actually recruited or cast three people to go out and become internet stars, influencers, bloggers. And two of the people, spoiler alert, don't really love it. They become kind of famous. One person really digs it. The other two kind of see the monster they've created. I have a hard time enough separating my uh, professional life from my personal life, making sure that I'm getting enough downtime, making sure that I am, you know, checking out of work, having dinner with my family, like, you know, go, going offline, essentially. The idea that your personal social life would be bound up with your work, to me, is my own. If you were going to buy a suit, and I'm guessing it would be one of the first in a long time, would you <laughs> go on any kind of social media and look at somebody that's wearing one and go, yes, that's Probably the one I yes. want? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where I Leo I do know comes in. where the vibe is, and it's not <laughs> in the New York Times. Right, Yeah. right. Leo is part of this new way of communicating style and travel, but he also represents the diversification of men's style voices. It's always been mm -hmm. the fashion Bible books, and now we can go to Instagram and we can be inspired and find aspirational products from a diverse range of voices. And it's so powerful, and, and it's really exciting to be a part of this right now. Before we bring him into the conversation, how is Levitate different or the same as Cool Hunting? Cool Hunting is an 18-year-old lifestyle and design website. So we're the internet first. We are sort of grew out of being a blog, but we're not a blog because many people write for us. It's not one singular voice. What Leo is doing is social media first, and Instagram is his primary platform, though I would love to talk to him about TikTok because I've been looking at his numbers, and he's growing rapidly there, but that's a completely different style of creation. But it's a personal brand, right, yes. at the end of the day, whereas Cool Hunting is, the, is a larger collective. 
Yes. Still an influencer, still telling people what is cool yeah. and worth hunting. But uh, the point you make about having a, a sort of an, an editorial staff is different than him. Just here's me. I go out. This is my life. But how much of Leo Chan is he showing us? We're going to find out when the Accutron show continues after this. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, AccutronWatch.com, and discover our Accutron DNA collection. Reimagined for a new generation, the Accutron DNA combines breakthrough technology, precise engineering, and modern aesthetics to achieve a new level of technical excellence. The Accutron DNA, the new face of time for those who blaze new trails. Leo, we were having this debate before you came in about how I think everyone's an influencer, just some people get paid to do it. And and for you, when did all this start and when did you know you were good at it? Well, let's see. Um, this was definitely been a crazy journey the past five, six, seven years now. Um, before this, I actually started working in finance first, um, but I this is when you kind of notice where social media was growing and you saw how Instagram and blogs were becoming such a thing. Um, but that's when I kind of noticed that like there was definitely a lot of interest on social media about fashion, travel, lifestyle. And I kind of looked at that space with my girlfriend and we thought, okay, like this is interesting. This is something that we could jump into because I've always had a passion and hobby in fashion, in traveling, like we were taking photos everywhere we were traveling. It was just more like a fun hobby, but we noticed this change and there was a way to turn this into a side hustle, turn it into a career. So it grew out of your personal life and your your regular personal brand. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that was kind of, these were all like my personal hobbies as for, uh, at first, even though I was working in a nine to five corporate job. Right. Um, so it was in a way, it was like an easy transition because it wasn't something completely new. And there was a moment where you took it on full-time, where you gave up this past life and you became an internet personality. Yeah, um, so um, yeah. So uh, I was working at Morgan Stanley and then Barclays before this. Um, oh, so if you had a good job in finance, yeah. maybe it might have <laughs> yeah. been different. Not too bad, not too bad. Good, good holidays, good, good pay, comfortable. Um, <laughs> you but- thought about buying Instagram. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so we had, this was already like, we were doing this for like a year as a side hustle, literally after work, after our jobs, um, change our outfit real quick, go on networking events to meet with other PR marketing person, meeting with other bloggers, other influencers, kind of building out this whole other career, this industry, right? Um, and then we were starting to get some like, sponsored projects there and there, a few like once a month, um, which was like, okay, maybe this is a possible thing to quit my job and have this freedom, right? Like have this creativity. Mm. Um, but then we had this opportunity that came about. Um, we got to work with this brand and travel the world for five months on a world cruise. And when that came along and we did rounds of interviews and they were like, yes, you guys are the right person. You guys are the travel ambassador for this brand. I was like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity that I can't pass up. I can always come back to Manhattan, to New York City to find another finance job. Um, so with this uh, opportunity, we got to visit 50 cities in 26 countries in five months. And that was for? <laughs> that was for Plymouth Gin. So yeah, wow. it was with a gin brand like too. A, so it's like a five-month bender. You're you're like on a, <laughs> a the lost martinis. weekend that lasted six months. <laughs> 
And and was that the first paid gig? Like paid, but who paid you? Who was the first person to pay you? And what was it for and how much? Uh, um, let's see. The first few brands that paid us were really small brands. These were brands that also was just growing their following on Instagram. Um, one of the first brands were... Golden Rush, so they make a lot of great um, menswear shoes. Um, they're, I think, in Nordstrom, and so that was one of the brands in the beginning where I think I first saw them from like a trade show, made that connection in person, and kind of built that relationship together. And they also really love that my Instagram feature a mix of fashion and travel. It wasn't just fashion. So how many followers, just so people listening oh, I actually, understand? I can answer for you. How, how, so first time you got paid, how many people were were following you? David knows. Um, well, that at the time... Am I the only one who doesn't know this? <laughs> <laughs> that at the time, I would think I was only around twenty to 30,000. But again, this is six years ago. So times have changed a lot yeah. quickly. So I think nowadays there's a lot of micro-influencers that can easily make money with a smaller following. But back then, you have to understand brands were also slowly adapting to this new way of advertising. So for them... Working with an influencer at 30,000 at the time was kind of a big deal as well. So I checked your statistics this morning, and you have 118,000 Instagram followers. Yeah. But here's another one that I found very interesting. Uh -huh. You have 768,000 likes on TikTok. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that, is a, that is a remarkable All from statistic. a guy named Dave. Who's that? <laughs> Who is Dave? I'm curious. I mean, first of all, do you identify as an influencer? And if so, what is an influencer? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do. I mean, now I've been full-time as an influencer for over five years now. And I think part of the dilemma with the word influencer is that there's a lot of bad rep. There's a lot of bad news, bad reputation for influencers. Because I think when you mention influencer, people think the Kardashians, the bikini girls on Instagram. And they think, oh, yeah, you're one of those people who just take a nice little photo and post it and done. But there's a lot of business, a lot of um, structure behind the work. Um, there's, um, and this is why a lot of brands now spend so much of their budget on influencer marketing. So I, yeah, I, I tell people I'm an influencer in the fashion and travel space. And for me, an influencer, for, for, for me as an influencer in the beginning is you got to have influence. You have to have an audience. I think that is above all else. You can have amazing content, but... At the end of the day, you need to have an audience. How often are you producing content? Um, I produce content almost regularly every week. Um, but a lot of it, if I'm traveling, that is when we're just out and capturing content all the time. So now we've learned over the years a really good work-life balance where when we're home in near city, we might only shoot content a few times a week versus every day in the past. Um, and some of that's yeah. like studio posed or some of that's like, so if it's a spa thing, maybe your head's in a pool of like, <laughs> like a kiddie pool and there's rose like leaves around you or not. I mean, uh, yes and no. It, it depends on the business. It depends on the um, location, the attraction we're trying to provide the, the value with. Like if it's a travel destinations then we'll focus more on that kind of photo. If it's a fashion post, it's more of a fashion outfit. Um, we don't take as many photos in studios anymore because I think people relate to more real-life lifestyle photos because studio photos, you can look at any catalog, any brand, right. and you can see That's that. That's the whole point of an influencer, right? Is exactly. That it feels more like the real world. Right. Um, 
I'm curious, like it's, you got in in 2013, sort of the leading edge, or 2014, in the leading edge of this stuff of brands coming in, and it's moving so fast, as you as you mentioned, like, and there's no rules really because the rules are being written as you go. You're writing the rules, right? Along with these, go ahead. No, I I, I totally Leo's agree. Um, there, I think it's it's changed so much from the past five six years that there are basic rules now with how brands work with influencers, what the rates are, what standard sponsorship uh, collaboration looks like. It's usually a standard like Instagram posts, stories, swipe up, link in bio. These are kind of like the usual jargon. Um, but I think where it's going, you don't know because now we have TikTok and we have Reels and Instagram's constantly pushing because they're very smartly enough to be competitive. They see another social media platform taking over, they're gonna add that feature. And now brands are wanting more video content. So those are the kind of new rules where, you know, it's up to what the brand wants, what they want to try out yeah. in the future. But it seems like you have to constantly kind of be watching the market and seeing what's coming around the curve. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I, I think that's where a good influencer should constantly be watching because at the end of the day, what is social media, right? It is people's attention. People go on there to spend their time, their attention on there, right? And if people all of a sudden are getting bored of photos because there's so much photos and they're more interested in videos now, then you need to pay attention to what is working and what's not working anymore. So as an influencer, you also need to push yourself to create better photos. Think, think about photos on Instagram six years ago. It was just iPhone photo with heavy filter with your food on the table, right? But now it's changing to some of these photos look like magazine shoots. Yeah. And so Wait, I, I can't do the food on the table anymore. <laughs> I might not that get as many followers school. these okay. days. All right. Um, Those but are old school Instagram <laughs> bikini girls. So. so the quality of Mac the content. Mac and cheese looked really good. <laughs> All right. So I'm just saying. So the quality of content has really elevated in the past five, six years. And I think it's also with people's demand, people's appetite for content, and of course, more and more people getting better at using a camera, right? Yeah. So now it's videos, and now you have to, how can you shoot a 15 second ad light video for a regular influencer? So it's, it's getting more and more in, uh, intricate, uh, but it's also very intriguing where that can take influencers. Do you think that over purification of the image or this quest for perfection on Instagram has led people to TikTok where you can be a little sloppier or Snapchat, which doesn't really, I don't think has the same sort of relevance, but let people just be free instead of being picture perfect. I totally agree with that. I think that was the huge appeal with TikTok in the very beginning is that, you know, for me, if you look on my Instagram, it's like, you know, trying to pose perfectly to make sure the clothes look right and make sure the lighting is right and the location is great. So when you look at the photo, you're like, boom, like that's great. But then you look on TikTok, it's like, all right, here's me and my girlfriend doing a silly dance in the same outfit, <laughs> to this just song, having fun, right? just enjoying the vacation, just having these little moments where we could be ourselves or be in the silly side of yourself that you never show into the public. Because as an influencer, you're also sharing a lot. So do right? you feel like your influence, you building influence on TikTok in one way helps you back on Instagram? Like do these mutually kind of benefit each other? I think, and this is where it's crazy how TikTok has grown so much. I think in the beginning, a year and a half ago, before the pandemic or during the pandemic, TikTok was more, you, you grow your TikTok so you can direct your audience to Instagram. But now TikTok's become so big that the audience stays on TikTok. Right. 
And it's all about where the audience stays. And But you have an advantage where if you create content for TikTok, you can also repurpose that content for Instagram, for YouTube, because it is video. Um, so it's constantly changing. Um, so that's why even as an influencer, your strategy could change month to month. And well, how does that affect how you get approached by big corporations? Do they say, oh, we think we want this on Instagram, mm -hmm. we think we want that on TikTok, and does anybody tweet anymore? And like, <laughs> so how do, you, right. how do you advise them? Well, um, you know, that's really ultimately up to the brand and what they want. You know, for example, if a brand want to gear towards more Gen Z, the younger crowd, they're definitely on TikTok first. And then if they see that that works on TikTok, they might do more on Instagram. So it depends on the brand, right? If you have a watch brand who has no business being on TikTok, they're going to focus on Instagram because I think there's more mature audience on Instagram. They prefer detailed photos of the watch, whereas a video, a fast, quick video might not be able to convey that message. So it depends on the brand and the audience they're trying to reach and then which method works best for them. Um, so I think like fast fashion brands like H&M, Zara, Express, they're exploring more options with both TikTok and Instagram, whereas obviously more of a old school history filled watch brand are gonna focus their attention on Instagram. As an editor who began in print, do you think the influencer today has taken the place of the editor, the clout of the editor 20 years ago, 25 years ago? Well, I think this is where me, um, as an influencer, you know, before influencer, I was just a normal dude, right? Like just a normal guy. I worked in finance. I was a customer first. So me growing up, I read GQ magazine. And for me reading GQ magazine, um, that was kind of where I learned how to dress. Um, before, after a while, I was kind of losing the appeal when half the magazines out there are advertisements or it's just designer brands I can never afford, right? So I think this is why like, influencers feel so much more real because they're wearing clothes from every brand. You know, it could be, you can find influencer of all different size, different style, different brands that they, you know, like to associate with. So you can find influencer who's all about budget and you have influencer who's all about luxury. And you have, you can find influencer who is Asian, who's different race, or they live in different parts of the country that you can really relate to. So instead of just one magazine, one print that's supposed to be the be-all, end-all fashion source, now you can really find individuals that you can relate to and you can uh, connect with. Leo Chen is an influencer, and he's influencing us today uh, on the Accutron Show. When we come back, I'm going to tell him that I have uh, 40 uh, Facebook followers. And so I think he's going to be pretty impressed with that. <laughs> We're also going to learn about some of the other projects. And has he ever turned anything down? when the Accutron Show comes back after this. This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, accutronwatch.com, and discover our legacy collection. Reviving some of the most memorable Accutron watches from the 60s and 70s, the legacy collection combines timeless design with the technical excellence of Swiss watchmaking, each limited to 600 individually numbered pieces. The Accutron Legacy Collection, inspired by the past, built for the future. Leo, did that commercial influence you at all? Do you now want to wear an Accutron more than anything? Of course. <laughs> well, actually, you've got one on, I should say that. Thanks for being uh, our guest today. Uh, Leo Chan is here. He's talking about... Uh, 
everyone who can influence everyone in the world of uh, social media. And you were talking a little bit about the world tour you took. I want to hear uh, about some of the other great things you've done, uh, like the top two or three. And then have you ever turned anything down? Has anyone come to you and said, let's do this? And you were like, hmm. That's not my brand. Yeah, there's definitely a few um, that comes to mind right away. Um, so I, I think, again, with an influencer, you want to be true to your audience. And so definitely one of the brands that I've turned down are um, Crocs because, I, you know, it's just not my style. You know, somebody <laughs> else's style. But I just know if I take that deal, I'm doing it for the paycheck. And people can see that right away when I do that When they post. see you in Crocs, they're going to yeah. go, wait a second. Yeah. Is this That's the guy? Crocs, Crocs, are, Crocs are style? I have to say that I, I did go to a Crocs runway show oh. in Times Square Ooh. in, I think, 2015. Uh, Bella Thorne was the okay. talent. Uh, I would have Actually, I don't want to talk about that ever again. <laughs> Done. <laughs> uh, so, and anything life threatening? Like they wanted you to go skydiving or something like that? Or oh you just say, no, not nothing crazy like that. Rock climbing like, or mountain? No, nothing crazy like that. Five months on a gin cruise was about as life threatening <laughs> as. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's there's other brands I've turned down. There was one like tobacco smoking related company mm, where mm. you know I don't smoke and I don't want to personally promote smoking. I don't condone someone else doing it, but, you know, it's not my thing. So I didn't want to work with them, even though they had a big budget. And then there was also a tourism board with a country where we looked at their history and we looked at, okay, they're against LGBT rights. So what does that say if I go there and promote this country, but guess what the government is exactly doing? Exactly what they want. And it's just like, no, like, I understand why you have money for this, but, like, I, I can't Right, do that. that's why they're cutting the check because exactly. they've got something to cover up. But, yeah, you got to be careful. You got to do your research. Yeah. What motivates you? Actually, what what brought you into this? Yeah, let's let's we we, we can definitely come um, go go back a little bit. Um, so before RLs, before I even you know, sometimes I introduce myself as an influencer. I identify as an immigrant first. I was born and raised in Hong Kong. I moved to New York City when I was ten years old with my family, and uh, growing up in New York City. Learning a new language, trying to fit in. I, I kind of found like sports and fashion as my way in. You know, we, before you meet someone, before you talk to someone, what do you notice first? You notice what they're wearing. And sometimes you kind of see what they're wearing, you know, especially when you're a kid in high school. You got to dress like the cool kids to got to fit in. So that was kind of like my way in learning what ticks in the American society. And so I, I kind of learned, okay, you got to dress to impress. You got to speak the same language with the people that are in the same room, right? And so... And that that that's, that was kind of like how I got into fashion at first. Really, better myself, dress as the best version of myself to impress, um, make that great first impression, um, because that's what can change people's perception, especially on Asian immigrants. And then um, I studied accounting. I went to finance to make my parents proud. I was the first to go to college, and hence that's why I went into finance. Um, so that's. That's what really got me started in, in, in that journey. Did that make it hard to leave finance then? Because it, was there some pressure on you yeah, to stay? How did parents feel about that? Um, I, I think at first they thought I was doing Levitate Style, the side hustle thing as a fun project. And I had to explain to them time and time again, this is making money. This is what's happening. And you're inspiring people. 
Oh, yeah. And um, I was actually in GQ magazine and I showed it to my parents and they're like, oh, what are you a model now? I was like, <laughs> I mean, I thought you'd be very proud of this. I'd be happy. Um, and then they pick up the next issue of GQ and they're like, you're not in it this month. What happened? <laughs> parents just don't understand. So, you know, I, I, but, but I, I think they understood that like even with my schooling and with my finance career, I was constantly pushing myself to kind of climb the ladder. And of course, I like pushing myself for these opportunities with social media, with Levitate Style. So when I told them about the trip, they're like, well, you know, you can't turn that down. Like, how can you turn that down, right? And so- So they came along. After everything I've shown them, all these proof and all these like magazines, right? Like after all these collaborations, they're like, okay, you know, do what's best for you. They they, they kind of get it. Uh, and now they, they've kind of seen like, the lifestyle and the brands that I get to work with. And I've been able to include them in my collaboration sometimes when it's like Father's Day, Mother's Day. So it's like, yeah. it's been really cool. Do you think social media changed during the course of the pandemic, specifically with regard to men's style and the way men dress now? Oh, 100%. I think if I did a poll right now, um, if you ask somebody, hey, are you going to wear a suit today? It could be 50-50 or even less. Um, I just think like with the change in... The whole culture, right? Like now you're working from home. Well, I mean, chances are you're not putting on a suit. Maybe just for pants optional. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for that one hour Zoom call, maybe. Yeah. And so I think like that has changed a lot. And as an influencer too, you know, before the pandemic, before um, my my early years with Levitate Style, it was mostly suits, mostly menswear, because that is what I was wearing to work. That is what I was really interested at first. Mm -hmm. But I'm also interested in the NBA, in basketball, in that kind of pop culture style. So over the years, I'm starting to mix in more casual style and suits so that there's something for everyone. Because not everyone wears suits every day. And I have friends personally that's like, I prefer the looks you put on with the hoodie and the coat. And I was like, okay. So I got to learn. I, you know, you have to be relatable at the end of the day. You're providing value for your audience. And so I'm trying to provide both so everyone can have options. And what about the clientele during the pandemic? I mean, how did that change up? Yeah, so initially that first month, literally like the emails just went, all right, stop all collaborations. Like we don't know what's going on. We're putting a pause on everything. So the first two, three months, even with the collaborations that we signed on was just, okay, we got to pause the budget, like budget, things are changing. Um, thankfully, one of my favorite brand partners, one of the longest partners was uh, Express. And they kind of just kept the ball rolling. They were really smart. They're, the marketing team is amazing. They just said, hey, if people are working from home, let's shoot the content at home. Shoot it like you would on a couch. Shoot it like you would working from home. And, like they did not drop the ball. They did not pause. They understand that people are on social media more if anything, um, and they just kept kept it going. If anything, we've doubled like, our collaborations because they love all the different content we were able to provide. As we come out of the pandemic, I'm yeah. super interested in, do you see any differences in the way people are approaching fashion or style as they're sort of re-emerging into the world? Oh, there's, it's definitely a mixed bag right now. I think a lot of people are coming out. They still want to be very comfortable, so you still got all the sweatpants and the jogger set, but they want to make it more, a little bit more stylish, you know, a little bit more well put together. Um, but then I'm sure as the bars and the restaurants open back up, people are really dressing to the nine. So I feel like there's definitely two extremes happening right now. Hmm. Yeah, it's a weird world. All the Fabletics I bought, I can't, <laughs> I can't go out in. I can just stay at home. I mean, this is a great 
outlet for people of every background and ethnicity. I mean, it, it's the social media platform seems to welcome all. And I, I, in that vein, I wonder if you've, if you think some people like the Kardashians you mentioned earlier, or we had the movie Social Dilemma that I made reference to a little earlier. Should some people just not be doing this? <laughs> I, I, I. I definitely agree with that because some people do it just for the money, just for the fame of it, but they don't realize how much hard work there is. Um, it's not as simple. If it is really that simple, everyone, everyone would do it um, because it does take a lot of time to build an audience, to shoot all this content. Um, and so what I realized from my years of meeting other people too, some people get burned out because in the beginning, they're like, oh, I'm a good looking dude, so I'm going to take photos. The end. <laughs> but like for me in the very beginning, um, it wasn't just, okay, I love fashion, but also because of representation. Like I realized that there were not really many Asian guys in media in general. You, you look at magazines, TV, movie, there was just no Asian guys. And if there were, it was like terrible negative stereotypes. Which, the bad guy, the triad, yeah. the, the gang. Or the right, geek the, and the, the nerdy. Right. Or the guy from... Um, uh, what's the casino movie? Um, the Hangover. The Hangover, yep, yep, The Hangover. So, like, that's the kind of negative stereotypes that, as Asian guy, um, we're trying to change. And so, with my content, I figure, okay, at the very least, maybe if someone Google search fashion or they, they go to Pinterest, they look at fashion, they can find my photo. And they, that's one more Asian guy that can find than before. You know, the very rare time that I see Asian guy was maybe in a J. Crew catalog. And that was really about it. And so I figured, okay, as cliche as it is, but like be the change you want to see because now you do have the opportunity with social media. And so this is why I keep pushing myself to work with bigger and better brands. I want to work with more luxury brands because we didn't see Asian guys like this before. And also the same thing. Did we see Asian guys traveling like this before? Maybe not. So that by doing so, in a way, as a guinea pig, it's like by me as an influencer, by doing this and so, that could inspire other people to do the same and enjoy and try out all these different things. I imagine for audience development, you must feel plugged in all the time. Do you take breaks? Do you take analog moments to reset yourself? Definitely. Uh, I, I think this is why, um, especially for us, I, behind the scenes, I work with my partner, my girlfriend, Alicia. And so it's not just work, but it's also like, we're kind of like the team together, right? And so it's like, how do you balance work life and relationship balance and all this? And so, especially traveling, I think is the easiest way to explain. Like, I know the certain spots I want to take photos, create content, but outside of those moments, we'll make sure we'll go to the cafe. We'll make sure we'll go to the bookstore. Um, and then nighttime- Without posting it, without taking yeah, a picture. Without, without, yeah, without yeah. it. It's just to enjoy, you know, what is her interest? What is her hobbies, right? And then nighttime, I don't really do nighttime photos. So sunset, we're done. Dinner <laughs> really? time. Yeah. How about that as a dad, that all of the imagery that gets put out there that then becomes aspirational for a whole younger generation, uh, is there a responsibility that goes with that that says, you know, you're not going to get a Bentley, but here's where there's a cafe we went to that was cool and interesting, or here's a $20 t-shirt we found amongst the $5,000 ones uh, at Neiman Marcus. Is that even still a company? I, 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 yes. You know what I mean? It's like, no. uh, how, much, how, much, how responsible do you feel every time you push something out that somebody can see that and go, well, that's what I should be doing? 
Yeah, I mean, I I think there definitely needs to be a healthy like check and balance with social media. I don't think everyone should just indulge in social media and take everything as is. You know, there are these people out there who are like fake gurus that rent the Bentley for the day and pretend like it's theirs. Like, I think that's the bad side of social media. Um, but I think like the right influencer, like I don't say I own this. Like I don't pretend like I live all this life all the time. Like I'm trying to be real where, and even with like clothing, I post a balance of brands of luxury brands that I work with, but also brands that I, you know, low, lower end brands that I work with like Express and H&M and I wear normal clothes, you know, that people can afford as well. I want to balance that because I understand fashion is for everyone, but like the, the budget is not, right? So you have to be kind of sensitive to what everyone's budget is. Being aspirational and inspirational are you also susceptible to FOMO? Do you scroll through Instagram and think, oh, I wish I had gone there. Why am I not there oh, right now? Definitely, definitely. I mean, like, it, that happens all the time, you know, and it's so easy to be like, whoa, okay, how come this brand didn't invite me? <laughs> but, you know, you, you got to be happy with FOMO what just you moves have. to another level. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. You're like, wait a minute. I thought I was cool, too. But so, no, FOMO. Like <laughs> so FOMO. So FOMO. S-O-F-O-M-O. So, I mean, like, you know, you, you just got to be happy with what you got and you got to be happy with the brands you do work with. You got to be happy with the opportunities you have gotten. And you can always look at it the other way. Hey, I got to do this trip where nobody else went, you know, so you can't be formal about a different trip where you're not on because you had a different opportunity. So you got to have that healthy mental check, right? Because it's so easy to compare every single thing. Um, you got to be happy with what you got. Hey, uh, is brick and mortar going to go away? You mentioned H&M and Express, and I think, you know, I don't need a store if I've got Leo out there selling for me. Picking my wardrobe. I can, yeah, I can, uh, I can just order it online. I think there's still a huge necessity for uh, in-person shopping just because you want to try on things. Um, sometimes that's a, you make a day out of it, right? Like you spend a day in Soho, walking around different stores, checking out different things. Um, you want to see... Some of the clothing, you know, you might need it tomorrow before your vacation or you need something last minute. So there's still a human need for in-person. Um, we talk where, about that on this show because it's Accutron sponsored and we don't all, every episode hasn't got a little Accutron mention in it. But one of the things they have told us is that the high-end watch world is definitely a place where at least before they buy, if they do buy it online, uh, they go to a retailer and they want to put it on their wrist and they want to see you what it looks like. You want to touch it, you want to see oh, it definitely. on. definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's one thing to read about the dimensions and how heavy it is. It's another thing to put it on, feel it really see how it shines in the light, how it feels on you, how, how, how it ticks, right? Like, especially for a more investment kind of purchase, you want to be sure of what you're getting. So I 100% agree with that. And I also think brands have an opportunity to make in-person shopping a lot more interesting. Like, I think Nike in Soho is one of the best stores because they're constantly changing their floor. Like, they're, they're constantly changing with the different marketing and they have fun with it. So... They might change the first floor to like a cafe one day and then next month they might change it to a whole basketball court one day. And, you know, so you can have fun with that. And by doing that, you can attract more people coming just to look at these installations and not just for shopping. Do you think the shopping integration features on Instagram have been beneficial? I think it's getting there. I think that's kind of what Instagram has been pushing for all these years. I think we're getting into a good place. 
And I think at the end of the day is um, the more brands sign on to do it and the more, the faster checkout is. And I, I, but at, the, at the end of the day, I think the more brands are on it, then users feel like, all right, this is legit. This works. Ralph Lauren's on here. Express is on here. Okay, like this works. Um, so I think like, it depends on how people shop. I still like to shop on the desktop, uh, not on the phone yet. Um, but I definitely see the convenience of it. If you were designing a social media platform that was yours, what would the elements of it be? What, who would you steal from and what would you do differently than TikTok or Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or any, of, the, any of those? Oh, ooh, that's a what tough What would be one. the best mixture in your opinion? I mean, I I give kudos to Instagram uh, for half the time stealing other platforms, but they do such a great job at staying alive, right? You look at Instagram, they grew kind of out of Facebook. They're fighting, yeah. Yeah, and then when Snapchat was happening with stories, Instagram grew uh, and added Instagram stories. And then when TikTok was growing, they're like, okay, we can add Reels. So I think Instagram, I mean, like if I had to build one, it would probably be similar to Instagram just because they're able to retain the audience like you don't have to leave this app to go to tiktok for something else you don't have to leave this app to go to instagram uh you don't have to leave instagram to go to snapchat for something else you don't have to go to youtube for something else we try to integrate everything here and that's the we easiest focus way on the user experience Everyone is already making here. sure the user yeah. is, is taken care of and has the easiest exactly. lowest friction yeah being an influencer how would you envision the next five years? What will an influencer look like in five mm -hmm. years? What do you want an influencer to look like in five years? Um, I think we're getting to a point where there's, or number one, there's already a huge saturation of influencers. So I think the ones that are have that passion, have that drive, have been the ones staying kind of afloat. And um, I think going into the future, obviously with more and more, Influencers being open about their um, their background, diversity, talking about social issues. I think people who started with fashion or travel, you know, they all kind of realize they do have a platform, they have an audience, and they have the opportunity to speak out and to talk about these different issues. So I do think that that's kind of what we're kind of gearing towards more and more. And um, I'm I, I I am hoping that videos like reels become more casual. I think we're kind of losing the casualness of uh, social media is becoming a little too curated like magazines. So at the end of the day, if we're trying to relate to an audience, um, are we losing that, right? Like it's becoming too much. Can can people just enjoy the content for what it is, just for the fashion, just for the travel destinations? That's brilliant. Um, yeah, and, and I think like, it, you know, it's, it's, it's constantly changing. So it's hard to envision what five years looks like because last year we didn't envision 10 second videos to be the hottest thing now, you know, like the, the, the attention span is a little scary for me, even as a influencer myself, where when I first started, you had to have a blog and website. Now you, some of the Instagram posts is just as long as a blog post. It's true. You talk about carousel posts with 10 photos, three paragraphs, that's a blog post. That's a web page. And so now your videos where it's 10 seconds. So it's like, where's the attention span going? It's, it's a little scary. How many outfit changes? Or like <laughs> how, how, how much information do you need to give in 10 seconds for two. Well, and this engine where you're trying to keep someone's attention, the app is sort of trying to keep them moving through different stuff. And this is kind of like 
arms race almost with an attention. Yeah, so as a, <laughs> as a creator, it's a little scary too. As a producer, I'm sure, you know, podcast show, whatever the media is, right? You know, where's the attention span going to be? Is it going to be shorter? Can it, Can we? Can anybody watch a one-minute video anymore? So that's very right. interesting. Can it I think. get short? Like how short can it get? Yeah, so like does it have to be one punchline, you know, in a <laughs> video clip? So you kind of have to see what the audience is going to take and you got to go with that flow because at the end of the day, it's, it is about the audience. I'm going to start yeah. blipper half-second <laughs> video clips. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. When you do, you I'm first. sure Leo Chan will be on it. He's on everything else and uh, including the Accutron show. Leo, thank you for joining us in terms of great content you delivered uh, incredibly here today. So we enjoyed having you. And uh, please go influence people to listen to this show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Accutron show. To listen to all of our shows, visit AccutronWatch.com. To learn more about the world of Accutron, follow us on Instagram at AccutronWatch and subscribe to our podcast from New York City. Until next time, Accutron time.